This is Talk for Freedom, a podcast sharing the truths about human trafficking and highlighting those in the fight to end it. With your host, Cesar Lopez, with A21 Freedom Chasers, and Chuck Paul with Chuck Paul LLC. Welcome back to Talk for Freedom. We're so glad to have you uh, listening to this podcast on Apple iTunes and Google Play. We've been absent for a little while. There's been a lot going on, um, you know, here with our jobs, here with the things that we do, um, a lot going on in the world as well, which is why we wanted to bring you back and talk about a very important topic today. Um, we're not going to get into the political side of it, but we are going to talk a little bit about what's going on um, with Ukraine in Ukraine uh, and the Russian war and talk about how that impacts people uh, and how it's being impacting people. So uh, Chuck, you're an expert when it comes to human trafficking. You've heard about some things that are going on in Ukraine. We know based on the news and the stories that we've um, we've heard that about 10 million people have fled their homes in Ukraine because of the Russian invasion. So what else is going on aside from people uh, fleeing the country because of the war? So um, right now, the Ukraine, Ukraine is under martial law. So any male between the ages of 18 and 60 years old is not allowed to leave the country. So what's happening is is families are having to be split up and mothers are having to leave their husbands and sons, you know, and daughters are having to leave their brothers and fathers to head to safety. Children are being sent out to head to safety. Unfortunately, Anytime that there's a humanitarian crisis, there are those that are predatory that are going to try to take advantage of it. So we've seen on the news the the outpouring of support from all the nations around Ukraine, you know, bringing in these refugees and helping them out. But unfortunately, there's also been reports in both Poland and in Germany of individuals hanging out at bus stations and train stations and singling out women, singling out especially young girls, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old offering them money and a place to stay, offering them safety, you know, they're very shell-shocked. They need they need safety. They're just, you know, looking at the other outpouring. But these individuals are being predatory. And so the both the German Polzai and the uh, Polish police have been made aware of this, and they're warning people to be careful about who you're taking uh, aid from. And But, you know, it's very hard, you know, when you're, we've got... You know, millions of people are fleeing. And unfortunately, there are individuals that are going to try to take advantage of that. And we know that, you know, in Germany, there is legalized prostitution. Um, And, you know, in in other countries like the Netherlands, you know, they consider the problem solved because they've legalized it. But, you know, you take a young woman who just came from a shell-shocked, war-torn area where the, the policy is not strategic. The policy is not, you know, take out systematic power sources and thus defeat the nation. It's, it's just simply pummel, 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 pummel. And, and these people are freeing for their lives. Yeah. And they don't know what they're going to go back to. So they're in a desperate situation. And unfortunately, we've got individuals out there that will try to take advantage of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the news has shown us stories of kids, like you said, alone, walking miles to get to you know a different country, get away from the war. Like you said, mothers. So they're they're in a situation where they're just trying to get to a safe place. They're trying to get some help. Um, and then we have people who are trying to take advantage of that. Um, you know, we, we've, I've seen in the news where there's a lot of good going on, right? Where people are leaving like strollers and diapers and stuff like that at train stations for mothers who come with kids. Um, they're leaving, you know, food and all that stuff. But in the mix of all that, 
there are again people who are trying to take advantage of that situation and are trying to exploit young women or even the kids right um so what what exactly have we heard about those types of situations do we know any more about the the people who are trying to exploit them so the the german paul Zai are very thorough so they've actually looked into this and uh, they've identified some of these individuals and so now they have police uh, surrounding the refugees as they come in and they're uh have certain individuals flagged no no defenders these are individuals that have been known to be sex offenders known to be involved with the exploitation of human beings and so they've identified them very quickly and uh they're taking actions and steps to try to protect people. When you think about the millions and millions of people that are coming across in Poland alone, um, and that the fact that those cities are already inundated with, you know, trying to help every single one of those refugees and get them into other European countries, you know, they're already in, a, in crisis mode. This is already a huge, huge problem. And it's very easy for an individual to get in there, uh, especially because, you know, it's all EU. There is no border checks. Yeah. To get in there and, you know, hey, I'll give you a place to stay. I'll, you know, I'll, you know, help you out with a little bit of money. And then all of a sudden there's a there's a cost to that. And so unfortunately, we have individuals out there that have attempted this. They've already identified it. Um, and, you know, this is something that I foresee will be a problem as more and more refugees come through. And without the addition of additional aid to our European allies that are helping to support individuals, they're not going to have the resources to provide food, shelter, medical care, and protection from predators for the individuals that are fleeing this war. Yeah. And yeah. it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate a situation that we see once again, you know, the outpouring of humanity, but then we also see the worst of humanity to come out because they're opportunists. And that's one thing people have to understand about traffickers is that traffickers are opportunists. Mm -hmm. They're not individuals that, you know, use their brain power to plan for how to build a successful business or how to self-improve themselves. These are individuals that are willing to exploit those without anything in order to access the resources of those with them. And it's the same all around the world, same techniques utilized in Asia and Europe and North America. And these individuals are out there. So it's always about being aware, but especially when you have a crisis going on where you have millions and millions of people. And remember, these are mostly women and children, yeah. the overwhelming majority of women and children, and they're highly susceptible and their families have been split up. And some people are going to make promises in order to try to take advantage of them. Yeah. And so it's very unfortunate that we have this situation going on on top of awesome response we have from our european allies to try to help people right now really these people are wolves in sheep clothing right they're mm -hmm. presenting themselves as a rescuer they're presenting themselves as someone who wants to help like you said kind of the mindset i'm sure that these people were trying to exploit their own in poland but they kind of switch and they now see oh my god there's an influx of all these people that are fleeing um you know the war so now we're going to focus on them um, I think that's just crazy, but it reminds us, it reminds the audience that these are some sick individuals that, you know, are out there, um, portray themselves as really good people, but in reality, they're trying to, to cause harm. Right. And you got exactly right when you say wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, you know, uh, traffickers are very attuned to reading micro expressions and body language, and they particularly focus on those that are in need. And then they exploit that need to get what they want. And what they eventually want is they want to exploit someone for both labor or sex or both. Yeah. Um, 
these individuals, they have learned techniques. It's called fractionization seduction, where they pour into a person, you know, what they feel like they immediately need. And then later on, there's a cost to that. And by this point, this person feels as though they have no other choice. It happens here in North America. It's happening in Europe now, and it's happened in, in Asia as well as South America. The best defense against this, um, you know, for everyday people here in North America, those that are places of peace, is to remember that the more connected a person is, the more protected they are. The more connected they are to their family and their friends and their community and they're engaged with positive relationships, the less likely they can be exploited by someone. Now, the crisis that's currently going on, the humanitarian crisis is currently going on in Europe, the answer is very simple. We need to pour more aid into these areas. And I, when I say aid, I'm not just talking dollars. I'm talking, yeah. you know, we have 501c3s like Samaritan's Purse that are already setting up aid stations all throughout the area. You know, we've had, I've seen beautiful stories of, of professional chefs going over there preparing thousands and thousands of meals. We also need to give our foreign partners, our European partners, the resources as far as like additional police or the ability to hire additional police or the ability to utilize uh construct i mean uh creative ways like you know community patrols and uh, engagement with help so if you've got a refugees that are coming off of a bus and they're not just in an open area but they're actually in a contained area where they're able to get the help that they need and get to move on to the next resource uh, you know, because not all of them are going to stay in Poland and Germany. I mean, they're going to spread all over the place. They're going to Ireland. They're going to England. We even have some coming to the United States. So the answer is, is to make sure that during this crisis, we don't just focus on the medical or food or transportation, but that we focus on security for these refugees and so that they get the security that they need so that someone doesn't exploit them. Because this could turn into a situation where we're years from now, you know, we're finding out about individuals that fled Ukraine and got exploited and, and you know, are at this point severely harmed and, and trying yeah. to get out of it. Yeah. So is it true then that we, we help provide them their basic needs so that they don't have to go look for it or be desperate enough to, to fall into a situation where someone is offering them food or safety, shelter, something like that. And mm -hmm. that's the, that's the only way, way they can get it because they're not getting it anywhere else. So we help provide those basic needs. Right. Let's think about this. I want you to think about as any human being, you have a choice between, you know, you have this open, let's say theater, right? Mm -hmm. With thousands of beds, cots, right? And you don't really feel, you know, comfortable because, you know, how are you supposed to relax around all those folks, right? Mm -hmm. Yet some individual comes up and says, oh, no, I got an extra room in my house. You can come stay at my house, you know, and then, but you don't really know this person, but you have a choice between, you know, perceived safety and actual safety. Yeah. So, you know, it's really detrimental that we're able to start getting folks resources. You know, I've heard about, you know, folks renting out hotel rooms and uh, so you keep families together because you want to keep families together because the yeah. more connected they are, the more protected they are. I've heard about, you know, people opening up their homes, but not just the one or two people, but to an entire family. Because again, yeah. you want to keep that family unit together as much as possible. You want to make sure that lines of communication continue to go on. And so these are going to be government agencies that are going to be checking on these refugees to make sure that everything's going okay with them because they can be easily be taken advantage of. And they're going to need the ability to be able to work, to support themselves, you know, while they wait for this crisis in Ukraine to end, 
this war. Yeah. And Lord willing, they can go back home one day. But even then, once they go back home, they're going back home to nothing. I mean, their homes are destroyed. Their businesses are destroyed. Their cities have been pummeled. They have to rebuild all these things. And there's still yet another opportunity for the unscrupulous individuals that are maybe among that population to say, hey, you know, I can help you out, but there's always a cost. So we have to be keeping this very much aware of ourselves and aware of what's going on around us, especially what's going on in Europe. And we have to understand is that, you know, yes, we're in the United States, but we can't have an isolationist mentality. We can't have a mentality that says, well, it doesn't affect me because it really it does. Right. Because here's the thing is that they may exploit a Ukrainian national, but, you know, this is going to be labor, sex possibly pornography. And that can, with as connected as we are in the world today, that can reach out and touch all of us. That's true. And it affects all of us because our money is going into helping our, our allies. And in the process, if they're spending all that trying to recover people and save people, you know, it's much easier now that they're coming across as refugees to say, okay, we can get them basic safety and basic, you know, life stuff. But it, to have to deal with the compound post-traumatic stress disorder of one fleeing a war-torn country and then being exploited, that's going to take years and years and years. I think you're absolutely right when you say that. This is not something that we, in the news, the way I kind of feel about this is that the news did a really good job of covering it as it started. And and yes, it, the war is still going on, but you don't hear about it as much you know, anymore as it's going on. You have to kind of, I have to go look for it sometimes. I have to go look look at a news outlet. I have to maybe do a search. I, I have to do something to find it. But we as people, what I found in the fight of human trafficking is that that's really what it's all about is not, not living in a bubble and just caring about you and your immediate family, but it's about being open and caring about other people. Um, that's, that's how we fight human trafficking is caring about other people. Uh, and that's really what's going on right now is we can't, we can't just focus on the beginning of the war and then kind of forget about it or, or go and give a little bit of money here and there and then say, okay, well, I, I did my part. No, we have to keep helping, um, Ukraine and the Ukrainian people, because like you said, this is, this is something that impacts them for years to come, not just months. Um, it's, it's not only, Let's say they were trafficked for six months, they're able to get out, but the impacts of the war, the impacts of being trafficked, all of that um, is a lifetime of, you know, of harm, mental, physical harm as well. And so I think we have to keep that in mind is how can we help? What, what can we here in the United States do to help? So I would say the number one thing that most people in the United States can do is I want you to research like the International Red Cross or Samaritan's Purse or these other organizations that are actually going into Ukraine and going into the neighboring countries and providing support. You know, it's one thing to say, well, I pay my taxes, but it's another thing to provide resources to these 501c3 nonprofit agencies that are really putting themselves at risk. These are all volunteers for the most part. Most of these people aren't salaried. They're putting themselves at risk to try to go help people because they understand that what happens overseas happens to all of us. If we do live in a bubble, then what's going to happen is, is that that's eventually going to spill over onto us. Cost of resources. Remember, history is being made right now. We are still dealing with the fallouts of World War II. We're still dealing with the fallouts of the, of the Cold War. I mean, it's actually the fallout of the Cold War that has led to this crisis in Ukraine. You know, we have to understand is that history has, a, you know, is all interconnected, yeah. you know, our stories are all interconnected and we're not just isolated because we have these great oceans that separate us. 
So two organizations that you mentioned that we need to research, Samaritan's Purse, and what was the other one? International Red Cross. International Red Cross. Okay. So these are just two out of many organizations that are doing things to go and help. Um, I know that there are a lot of celebrities that are Ukrainian that we maybe have heard of. Um, there's there's uh, the gentlemen that are in Dancing to the Stars. I can't remember their names, but uh, two of them are Ukrainian and, and, and they're doing things. There's a lot of other celebrities. So there's different ways that we can help. Um, people are, are out there doing things, uh, physically sending um, food, you know, providing funds to, to, to build shelters and things like this. But I think you're right. We, we just can't live in a bubble and focus on what's going on in the U.S. We have to be open to helping people around the world, especially through this crisis. One of the things that, that I wanted to ask you, Chuck, is what's the main difference between what we've seen here locally in the United States when it comes to refugees from like, you know, Mexico and what's going on in the war with Russia and Ukraine? So the main difference is numbers. Um, you know, with Ukraine right now, you've got literally 10 million people. Um, the apprehensions along the southwest border are not millions. They're thousands, but not millions. Yeah, that's true. And it's already a crisis here. I mean, we already see a lot going on on the southern border with the, uh, you know, forcing people to go back into Mexico, even though they might not be Mexican nationals while they mm -hmm. wait through while they wait for asylum. Right. While they wait yep. for uh, an asylum hearing just to to. This is just, this is not to get asylum. This is just to be able to say your piece. Yep. Right. So now they have what's called asylum officers that can do within hours what it would take months for an immigration court to do, which is a good start. But this is something that should have been happening all along because you've got legitimate claims of, of um, refugee status that are coming out of places like Ecuador and Venezuela and all these different countries. I mean, you've got folks that are fleeing from gang members that have already assaulted them, that have already done things to them. And they're saying, you know, if you don't do what we want you to do, then we're going to hurt you or hurt your family. So these families are picking up and fleeing. So we have to look at what are they coming from? What's what's happening? And then, you know, if they have been exploited, which there are means here, the United States government has processes for providing resources um, to individuals, especially young people um, who've had things happen to them. So I, I mean, I'm aware of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which actually works with unaccompanied minors to get them sponsors here in the United States. They do investigations to these sponsors to make sure the sponsors are appropriate people or some, most of the time they're relatives. There are also uh, the, in the uh, Health and Human Services, the Office of Trafficking, right? Yep. Um, trafficking in persons. And what they do is they enforce the Trafficking Victims Act and they provide resources to foreign nationals that have had something bad happen to them, whether they were labor or sex trafficked on their way up here or even when they get here, in order to help them become legitimate, meaning they're able to work, they're able to go to school, they're able to access, you know, the same things as if they were a legal permanent resident alien, but in the meantime, also give them what they need so that they can, you know, talk about these things that have happened and get these bad people off the streets. We're talking about prosecuting someone. You know, yeah. it's one thing for us to walk, let's say we walk a foreign national into a court and, and they barely speak English and they're, they're poverty stricken. And our juries are going to look at them like, yeah, whatever, you know, um, versus an articulate person that has that has been given resources and able to talk and says, yeah, I was fleeing gang members. I was fleeing, you know, persecution. I was fleeing what's, what ended up happening to me anyways. And this is the person that did it. You know, yes. so the main thing back to your question, it has to do with the difference in numbers. However, 
you know, could that eventually become a problem? I mean, you know, there are countries in South America and Central America that could erupt into civil war at any time. Are we prepared along our border or are we just going to say build a wall? I mean, what, what are we going to do? You know, it's so true because it does spill over. You know, we are interconnected. We've already seen through this pandemic, you know, I go to my local grocery store and the products I'm used to having on the shelf aren't necessarily there because our economies are interconnected. Our manufacturing is interconnected. You know, everything is interconnected now. So it's not a case of just being an isolationist. It's a case of, you know, problems in one part of the world is going to affect the rest of the world. Yeah. That's so true. We're seeing it, um, you know, right now with prices in gas, everyone's, you know, complaining about gas. Um, the truth is that we, we can focus on some of those things that affect us as far as, um, you know, the prices going up here at the U.S. But what we want to help you do is is broaden your mind and think about uh, the humanitarian crisis that's going on uh, right now in Ukraine. Um, these people are vulnerable um, and and like you said, the majority of them are women and children and they're in positions where, they have they don't have a choice and and they're making decisions to to try to find safety food uh, a bed um, a roof over their head and there are people out there who are exploiting them um you know so i i appreciate you wanting to bring up this subject um chuck because again it, it just reminds us that human trafficking uh, exists in many different ways um where you know here in the us what we see is there's a lot of um prostitution um there's people who are being sold online against their will things like that uh, and we hear about sex trafficking quite a bit um here we hear about a little bit about labor trafficking but uh in a situation with ukraine it's a little bit different these people are 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 very desperate in a desperate situation um and they they maybe have a desperation that we have never seen or felt in our lives and so um you know, sometimes they're making the best choice possible, you know, and so that's why we have to step in and help and provide um, and, and volunteer or, you know, provide some sort of uh, donations so that so that they can be provided the basic necessities like like food, shelter, um, you know, uh, the things that they might need um, to, to be able to survive. And one of those things is security. Yeah. You know, if someone doesn't feel safe, they're not going to trust. And, and that's a basic human function. And in order for the building of, for rebuilding of, of their, their psyche to start working on the damages caused by this, there has to be the sense of, I am safe. So I can begin to trust, you know, positive people, these good NGOs, these government officials, these, these folks that are reaching out, right? Mm -hmm. And not fall victim to the person that promises, but really they are the wolf in sheep's clothing. Security, safety, um, I, I think that's that's huge. Um, so what I want our, our listeners to take away is, you know, research. There's two organizations that we mentioned here. Um, research on how you can donate, how you can give, um, because the little that you can do uh, is helping quite a bit uh, with these people out, out, out there in Ukraine that are going through this. Um, let's, let's not just focus on our selves and the people in our home but let's see what we can do to help those across across uh across the the ocean across the world uh anything else that you want to leave our, our listeners with uh chuck so one of the things i'd like to mention is is that as you're thinking about the humanitarian crisis overseas understand that there's a crisis here in our own backyards you know uh i've noticed an increase in uh 
and well, I've actually noticed a trend because I work with survivors mm -hmm. and our survivors are getting older and older. I mean, most of them now that we're identifying are between the ages of 18 and 24 years old. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a real big push in our area to work with youth homelessness, um, a lot of outreach, a lot of uh, resources poured into that. What's what happening is, is we're finding a lot of what started out as survival sex or oh, hey, my friend recruited me to go work at a strip club because it said I can make good money. And what ends up happening is, is that um, they get exploited. That could just as easily happen here as it just as easily could happen over in, in Ukraine. Because I can tell you that, that, you know, Germany, there are very large strip clubs, you know, and these places eventually end up as gateways into exploitation of human beings. Yeah, we we see it here for sure. We've worked with other organizations like For Her that um, are trying to help these women who are trapped in you know a situation like that where they might be being forced to work in a strip club or maybe that's the only only option that they feel that they have to trying to get them out of that lifestyle. Um, but it certainly is happening in our backyard as much as it's happening in Ukraine. Um, but that's why we're here is to bring these topics up to make you aware to educate you. Um, I think that's what our, our listeners, one of the greatest things they can do is educate themselves, um, know the red flags. We have plenty of episodes about that. Um, know the red flags, know how to spot it so that when you see something, you can say something, but also you can, you can, you know, you can protect yourself and your family members from this ever happening to them. Um, so Chuck, I want to thank you for, for bringing this topic up. Um, you know, if there's an opportunity to bring more information as we see this, uh, we hope that you know, Ukraine is able to get out of this as soon as possible. But if, if they don't, we'll share uh, more information as we can, as we hear about things going on so that we can keep you abreast of the situation in Ukraine. But thank you to our listeners. Thank you for joining us again. You go, go leave us a comment, leave us a rating, leave us a question. We appreciate you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you.